Coming to you from the Black Swan Media Studios, this is Fireside Chats, talking to the real difference makers in the world. Now, here is your host, John Crump. Happy Monday, everyone. It's been a busy weekend for me. Hopefully, it's been a good weekend for you. Today, we're going to be talking about uh, the home of Ameland, New Jersey. But before we get into that, I just want to remind everyone to sign up, uh, comment, like, subscribe. We're going to be doing some giveaways, $100 gift certificate from Uncle Sam's Misguided Children. Um, also, we're going to be giving away this. you got to comment and subscribe uh, to be entered and to win. Yeah, it's Thomas Jordan. Awesome. Happy Monday, Thomas. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Uh, Thomas is my liberal-leaning friend out there. My childhood friend. But today I am joined by the president of the... Uh, the New Jersey uh, Firearms Coalition. Coalition, coalition, coalition of New Jersey Firearms Owners. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm so used to saying the actual, you know, the whole CNJFO. That's that fine, that's try, fine. Try to say it out. It's, uh, it's kind of hard. So how are you doing, Dan? Dan? I'm, ju- I'm just fine, I'm just John. fine, John. How's My name is Dan Gardovich. Sorry, Go sorry. Go ahead. And, um, and um, I joined CNJFO, I joined CNJFO about, five about five years ago, years ago at its inception. At its inception. Um, um, CNJ was, was, was formed to, form to eliminate, eliminate justifiable need in, in New Jersey, New Jersey and, to and to advocate for lawful, lawful and responsible firearms ownership in New Jersey. In New Jersey. Uh, it looks like you're echoing a little bit. Um, I can I can work with that. I can try to. Yes, everyone's telling me that you are echoing, but that is fine. Um, so, when it comes to New Jersey gun laws, New Jersey gun laws is kind of bad. I mean, when I say bad, it's like one of the worst in the country, actually. So. Yeah. Yeah. What is your organization doing to push back against these gun laws? Because it seems like you guys are in a losing battle. We are fighting a losing battle. And the, the issue uh, primarily is that not only is our, our um, governor and um, legislator, they're, they're all from the same party and they're all anti-gun. And as a result of that, we can't really get anything um, done in New Jersey, um, that's pro-gun. So to hold the line even is, is a, um, it's a tall order here. Uh, we, uh, several years ago in the, in the dark of night, one gun a month was passed. Uh, meanwhile, we see, um, we see other states repealing that. And here we are still dealing with that. So Additionally, Additionally um, we've worked with, uh, yeah, still an echo. Um, we've worked with trying to um, expand just uh, expand uh, concealed carry in New Jersey, which is just a uh, we're bucking up against the wall. They have no uh, the the government has no desire to allow us to to carry. There's fifteen hundred. Um, concealed carry permits in the entire state of New Jersey, 9 million people. Um, those are mostly connected people, judges, and things of that nature. So that's the situation we're in. And uh, to we're up against the wall, really. All right. A uh, question I do have is I pulled some documentation um, through some OPA request, which is open, open record request. And it looks like Mom's Demand Action was in direct communication with Governor Murphy of New Jersey, especially during the whole COVID lockdown when they wanted gun shops to shut down. And they seemed like they were really concerned with gun shops being open during COVID um, for new gun owners. Has New Jersey seen an explosion of new gun owners in the whole COVID social unrest 
period? A absolutely, we have. Um, our NICS checks are off the chart to the point that you can go online and look at the, the state. New Jersey is a point of contact state. So the state runs all your NICS checks, runs them through the FBI for you. They don't, they don't um, use the FBI, you know, they don't use the FBI portal directly. So they're in control of that. Um, as a result of that, they've got a backlog anywhere from 1,300 to 2,500 people at this point, uh, at this moment. And um, they haven't added staff. They haven't increased the uh, the output of the people that are doing the work, and yet the the next checks have followed in in uh, in kind with the rest of the country, um, doubling and almost tripling what the what the statistics were for the previous year. So uh, there's a there's a huge rush on firearms in New Jersey, um, a lot of first time firearm owners as well. And that's that's an opportunity we do have to reach out to these people who previously thought that um, oh, universal gun background checks were a great idea. And now that they're seeing that New Jersey, uh, oh, you have this requirement and you have to go for your FID card and your pistol permits. And every time you want another pistol, you go got to do that same paperwork all over again for another pistol permit. And then they're, they're like, wait, I just waited. 60 days for what's supposed to be legislatively 30 days. And then they go and they go and have an, another check done when they have, when they go to purchase their firearm, the next check. And that's delayed e another five, six, 10 days in some cases as a result of the backlog on the next checks. So we have, the, we have the, the hurdle in the beginning of the, the 30 plus days. And then we have another next check hurdle at, at the end. So uh, people are, starting to get a little annoyed, um, even those that, that would otherwise advocate for, quote, common sense gun control, they're saying that this is just ridiculous. Are, are the, I mean, is the government trying to fix it at all in New Jersey, or are they just letting it roll the way it is? I'm sorry, John, what state do you think I live in? <laughs> I, got I got that. Trying yeah. to fix it? Yes, they're trying to fix it by imposing higher fees. By imposing higher fees will then discourage people from exercising their Second Amendment right. And then not, not as many people will apply. We'll, we'll shuttle off that, that group at the bottom that can't afford the higher next checks and the higher uh, uh, pistol permits. Uh, Governor Murphy tried to um, take our fees and uh, incre increase them exponentially. Of course, they haven't been increased since they were imposed in 1968. So the, uh, the pistol permit fee is $2. Agreed, that really doesn't cover the background check. But is that my problem? No, it's not my problem. It's the state's problem. So he was looking to do it at $50 a, a pop. And then he wanted to make um, the FPID cards have an expiration date, which currently they don't. Uh, so there was some there were some schemes that were trying that he tried to throw into the budget. That um, there were some backroom deals that seemed to have been made that um, pulled that out of the budget. He also tried to um, he tried to attach and uh, how would you call it siphon the money from the Pittman Robertson Act, which is prohibited. So the Pittman-Robertson Act is a tax that was passed back in the 30s. That's 11% on top of every hunting, fishing, and firearms purchase that's built in. You don't even see it because it doesn't show up on the little receipt at Walmart, right? When you get your, your fishing license, when you get your fishing pole, that's all factored in already. The manufacturers have paid for that. So as a result, you don't see that. He was looking to attach that money and then found out he couldn't. Yeah, Gorillas and Guns says that he thinks they're trying to tax the Second Amendment out of the Constitution, which they might be. Um, it's it's really interesting because I'm not sure how much case law do you know, but during the Murdoch versus Pennsylvania, they ruled that there cannot be a direct tax on firearms, mm. or not firearms on on a right. But it seems like for guns that doesn't apply for some reason. So I mean, I just don't understand how. Murdoch doesn't apply to the Second Amendment, but it applies to every other amendment. Well, see, you have to assume that the Second Amendment is a right for that to apply, John. And they don't assume that. 
they feel that it's a privilege and it should be regulated as such. Otherwise, how do, how do you how do you um, how do you rectify the point where it says shall not be infringed and where we are today? Right. Yeah, that that is true. That is true. They always forget the shall not be infringed type thing. One of the things that I always think is I always think that is the most um, disingenuous thing is they say it's like you know you need a license to drive a car. Well. To drive a car is not specifically mentioned in any of the amendments, but to own and bear arms is. Right. And we can point out to them that um, you don't need a license to uh, ride a horse and buggy, which was appropriate for the, the time that the Constitution was written. There's nothing saying that in there. And today you could still go out and get a horse and buggy and ride it. And you wouldn't need a license for that might need an orange triangle as you might see in in Amish country but other than that you don't you don't need any kind of uh, form of permission from the government you know we've come to a, a point where um, regulation seems to be the norm you know you're regulated when you want to go and fish you want you're regulated if you put a, a pipe in your ground and want to get your own uh, um, group of water or such um, so those are those are some of the things that you know uh, we fight against all these infringements upon our rights and our freedoms. So um, when we consider that, and we consider well, what else has gone on recently? Um, sometimes it's hard to keep your chin up and to to just continue to plow forward and decide you're going to fight against it. Right? Um, it's much easier to say, "Hey." Uh, I'd rather move to and insert, what, 40-something other states here that have uh, much better firearms laws. Um, and then you could throw in other things that that uh, affect people, lower taxes and things of that nature, better representation. So many things that, that uh, seem to um, just fall together when we talk about freedom in general, right? Um, so CNJFO has done some things. We've we've signed on uh, to two amicus briefs that went before the Supreme Court. Um, unfortunately, you know the situation was such that just a few months ago, those nine cases were all rejected. Um, geez, you know timing is everything, right? Yeah, it it seems like the Supreme Court really does not want to hear any type of case involving firearms, which I think is not a good thing. Um, well, I, I would say that was did not want to hear. We'll hope, we'll hope that in the future it changes, in the short-term future it changes, and perhaps the uh, addition of a, a more um, conservative justice may have a better um, ear toward, uh, toward our, our plight. So, yeah, uh, somebody was asking about, uh, uh, you know, why aren't you guys fighting for knife laws? Uh, you, you're, you do gun rights, but there is a good organization out there called uh, KnifeRights.org. Knife and yep. in, in fact, KnifeRights, uh, they've actually been winning a lot of big battles with KnifeRights. Uh, they've actually pushed knife laws and the direction of freedom. So I just want to give a shout out to them. They're pretty good people. Yes, they've um, they they uh, they were instrumental in a case in New York City, which, you know, New Jersey kind of sits in this shadow between uh, the city of Philadelphia and the city of New York City. And uh, a lot of us travel in and out of the city for work here and there. Um, I had heard horror stories about guys getting stopped that had a, a clip knife sticking out of their pocket. And um, and the New York City uh, was saying that those were um, automatic knives because they'd bring out some gorilla who knew how to flip that knife just so and get the blade to open. And they say, see, it's a switchblade. And um, Knife Rights was instrumental in overturning that and um, saying 
to the to the organizations that were enforcing that that no you can't do this you can't bring along uh, ten different guys and the tenth one can open it that certain way but the other nine couldn't and therefore now it's a now it's a prohibited weapon and and uh, that person should be locked up for that so they, yeah they were very instrumental in in overturning that as far as that goes in New Jersey I've got to be quite honest um, I have not heard of much uh, infringement on the right to carry knives in New Jersey. For that matter, we don't have a prohibition on, oh, it's gotta be so many inches long. Uh, that's not the case. Um, I don't know that I, I would walk down the street with a with a Bowie knife strapped to my side, just like I don't know that I would walk down the street with, a, with an open carry firearm either for the same um, negative reasons that it could bring upon one or the other, right? Uh, not because it's not our right, but because sometimes uh, inciting the public to uh, to that could be negative, could be viewed as negative, particularly in an environment where we have so many people. Um, I've I've had the ability to travel recently. I've been to uh, been to the, to the south and the Midwest, and it's interesting to see how how uh, things are so very different there. Uh, I recently went on a business trip to a particular state that um, Schlickville might have been from and um, found from there that um, those people hunt, they talk about it, it's commonplace, and it's just assumed that you own guns. And I was I was kind of shocked at that because here I am, this this guy who grew, his, grew up his entire life in New Jersey, you know, uh, hunting and 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 uh, and guns were always kind of uh, mentioned in whispered, um, whispered chats, as if we were uh, closeted. You know, one of our uh, one of our advocates here in in the state talks about closeted gun owners, and uh, talks about coming out of it. It was interesting going to these other places and just, you know, people talking about this freely with with no compunctions at all, no worries about about how it looked upon them. Uh, Whereas here in the in the uh, tri-state area, it has um, you know people look funny. They think you're a gun nut. Yeah, what I always think is funny is Amaland is headquartered in New Jersey, and Amaland is like the, the world's largest Second Amendment news website, and and yet they're headquartered in one of the the like the least friendly gun states there is. Well. If you want to fight for your rights, do you do you sign up in a place where there's there's no infringement, or you sign up in a place where there's a lot of infringement and something to fight for? That's one way to look at it. And I think Amaland is headquartered uh, here specifically for that. Um, there have you know what stays in New Jersey, unfortunately, or what starts in New Jersey doesn't stay in New Jersey. You could visit Florida and just see that uh, half of our population is down there. Um, but also the ideas that come about here are floated elsewhere. Uh, the assault weapons ban that, that was a federal ban was first piloted in New Jersey. It was, it was flown through in 1991 or 93 before, no, 91 before the federal assault weapons ban. And they wanted to make sure that it would work. So they put it through here and they put it through here with no sunset and they put it through here with no grandfathering. And everywhere else you hear about, oh, grandfathering and sunsetting things, right? Uh, you hear about, uh, oh, you can't have your 15-round magazines now, you know, but the old ones are grandfathered. Well, that's not how they do things in New Jersey. In New Jersey, they just take everything away. Oh, no, now you're down to 10-round magazines. And I'm waiting for the eight, and then the seven, and then the five. And before you know it, it'll be a single-shot firearm, if you're lucky. Yes. One one of your uh, one of your patrons here mentions that somewhere in California they made it illegal to collect rainwater. Right, that which falls from the sky we cannot collect. When when is it going to be? We're not allowed to breathe because oh that's public, right? If you think if you think it's absurd, it's coming. Right, that's what it comes down to. In Maryland, you're allowed to collect rainwater. They just tax you on the rainwater, which I think is kind of crazy. Right. In Jersey, they tried that. That didn't fly even here, amazingly. Oh, well, that's good because that seems like to be a thing that's being pushed out a lot of different places. All right, you bring up magazine limits, and I wrote an article a while ago on magazine limits in New Jersey and the fact that 
it didn't seem like people were too inclined to turn over their high capacity magazines. I say high capacity magazines, but we know they're like standard capacity, but what majority considers to be high capacity magazines. And well, it seemed like anyone turned them in. Well, in New Jersey, they weren't high capacity to begin with because the the round limit here was 15. So if you had an AR banana mag, it was, and it was full capacity, it was, it was quote illegal. So, uh, we went from 15 recently to 10 rounds mag mags and the state police, you know, uh, it was a, somebody did an Oprah request and indicated that, uh, yeah, nobody turned in. That, that was John. Nobody turned in their, their, uh, their high, high capacity magazines. Well, I wonder why that was, I wonder where they went. Um, did they just get disappeared? You know, what happened to those magazines? I'll tell you, I, I'll, I'll be quite honest with you. Mine are, are outside of New Jersey. Okay. And they're not, they're not in the landfill safe for two. And that was because I, I had moved all my stuff out and the, and the deadline was passed and I went through my stuff and all of a sudden, oh crud, there's two, you know, 12 round stick mags. Well, they were pro mags anyway, so they didn't work. So I put them in a vice, bend them in half, threw them in the trash because that's where they belonged in the first place anyway. But uh, I didn't want to be, um, I didn't want to be caught up with, you know, seven years for each uh, magazine. The other thing uh, we have going on here in, in New Jersey, and I'm sure it's, it's elsewhere, is that the, um, the firearms laws are not evenly applied. If you or I get caught up with in a, in a, in a um, situation, let's call it that, right? Somebody says, oh, look, you've got, you can fit 11 rounds in this 10 round magazine. You're now uh, a potential felon. Right. But uh, the guy across the tracks there in town has two 15 round magazines, you know, a gun with the serial number burned off or, or, or ground out. And what does he get? Oh, he's he's charged for, uh, you know, uh, mis misdemeanor possession and not of a firearm. So why are the firearms arm laws getting dropped on the recidivist criminals? Meanwhile, we're held up and, and, uh, and we have situations like Shanine Allen and several others where they were otherwise law-abiding citizens who didn't know the nuances of the law and were caught up and, and then uh, made to pay for it. Why don't you explain about the whole Shanine Allen case? Because I think that is very, very telling of New Jersey right there. Sure, sure. Shanine Allen is a single mom a couple of young kids um, decided that she wanted to protect herself. She lived in Pennsylvania, went and got a carry permit and, and had a firearm. And she's driving to Atlantic City for one reason or another and gets pulled over. And, you know, in a concealed carry class in Pennsylvania, they mentioned that you've got to tell the police officer that you have a firearm and you show your, your concealed carry permit and everything's well and good. So she did what she was told and ended up in handcuffs. And lost her job and then ended up in jail because she didn't know the nuances of New Jersey law. She assumed the concealed carry permit was similar to a driver's license. If it's good in one state, it's good in all 50. Right. And, and so she got caught up in this. And the only way she got out of it was by being ultimately pardoned by the governor at that point. Yeah, it is really, really ridiculous. Um, some of the laws that they have, it, it's they're making criminals out of law-abiding citizens. The, the 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 item that they fail to focus on is the intent of the person, right? If what's the person's intent to to be nefarious, and and in her case, it was not, right? Uh, we had a, a gentleman. Um, who got arrested? He was a he was a veteran, and he had come back from the sandbox, and he had thirty round mags in his Footlocker. He didn't even realize they were there. And, and if I'm not mistaken, he didn't even have a gun for them to work in. Exactly, he didn't even have a gun for them to work in. So here he has this this box with a spring in it. It's essentially useless without a firearm. It's sitting in his Footlocker. What do they do? They rail him 
and only, only because the public got involved and only because we spotlighted the situation, only because everybody in the 2A community said this is absurd that they finally back down and back off on those charges. You know, I, I think about those those charges and, and um, we consider that what's going on, what has gone on in, uh, I believe it was Minneapolis where the grand jury indicted the uh, uh, Mick, I don't remember their last name. McCloskey's. Uh, McCloskey's, yes. Dangerous. Yeah, and and uh, you know, my my vice president, um, not not Trump's vice president. My vice president at CNJFO says, yeah, you can you can get a a grand jury to indict a ham sandwich, and he's right. Given the right conditions, uh, a grand jury indictment just means there's enough there to to have a case. Yeah, it, it doesn't mean that. What a lot of people don't realize is with grand juries, you don't need um, it. It doesn't. It doesn't have to be beyond reasonable doubt. Right. It's. I, I don't even think it's a preponderance of evidence. It's just there's enough evidence for this to be tried and to be looked at uh, further. And quite frankly, often the grand jury is, is led down a path by the prosecutor. And the prosecutor is guiding that because they they want something, right? What do they want? They either want to bring attention to that something, or they want to bring attention to themselves. It's either the case or themselves. So what's going on there, right? So uh, are they trying to make an example of the McCluskeys? Perhaps it's interesting to me that they haven't indicted the people who who uh, broke and entered and trespassed and and showed up on on their lawn. But in the meantime, they're they're uh, harassing these people who um, perhaps didn't handle their firearms in a in a, an appropriate manner. But that's that's more for a safety discussion than for a a jury to decide. What disturbs me about the McCloskey thing more than anything else is that the prosecutor asked the police to make the guns functional because the guns were not functional. So, which, you know, that seems kind because in uh, Missouri, in order for the charges, brandishing charges to stick, it has to be working firearms. Um, And neither one of the firearms were working. So they asked the the police to uh, fix them and make them working. And to their credit, uh, the police lab said, "Absolutely not. <laughs> not doing that." I, I, I thank God that somebody had some ethics and and said, "We're not going to tamper with evidence." Whereas, well, you know, you've got to wonder what else goes on. What else has gone on in the past in less prof, uh, you know, cases with lower profiles, and and at that point, you know, who do we trust? Well, well, no, here's the thing: the McCloskeys, they're high-paid attorneys. Oh yeah, so they have money to fight the case, um, and I think that might be one of the reasons why the police decided not to mess with the firearms. But what what happens if the person doesn't have the amount of money of the McCloskeys? What happens if it's like a single mom in like the inner city and she doesn't have the money to fight back? You know, would they have changed it, and would she just got a, a railroaded? And if you look at the past, it looks like they probably would have got railroaded. It's it's a sad commentary on the society we live in that um, that that even came out and that would occur. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it happens a lot. <laughs> It seems like they want to disarm the people that need the firearms the most, the people in the inner cities and whatnot, where all the crime is. Well, that's, um, you know, I, I think you've had Tony Simon on before, or certainly you know of him. And he does those. Uh, uh, Tony Simon on a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, the second is for everyone, and he does these diversity shoots where he's trying to get the message out into all the communities, right? Uh, it shouldn't matter whether you're rich or poor. It shouldn't matter whether you're gay or straight. It shouldn't matter whether you're white or black or green or pink or whatever the case may be. And and uh, the 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 most interesting thing, honestly, is going to the gun range, seeing people from different um, different walks of life, and all of a sudden you'll see um, 
the most interesting things that never happen anywhere else. And that is somebody will hand you a, a multi-hundred to several thousand dollar piece of equipment and say, here, shoot this, try this. That doesn't, I, I mean, just imagine somebody driving up with their brand new Corvette and going to, to, their, to their somebody they don't know. Oh, here, here's the keys. Take this for a spin. It never happens. However, the guy shows up with his brand new, whatever the latest thing is today, you know, P365 or the latest uh, uh, HK uh, handgun. And it's like, oh, I just got this. You got to try this. Here you go. Right. And he hands you a full magazine and the gun and says, go ahead, take a few shots. And he's not looking for you to pay him back. Even today. Yeah, I have a friend that uh, we go shoot machine guns sometimes. And everyone, every time someone's like, oh, that looks awesome. He's like, hey, come and try it. You know, <laughs> $20,000 machine gun. He's like, just letting random people just shoot. Exactly. And that's not that's not the um, that's not the exception. That's the rule. You'll find more friendly people at a gun range who will talk about their firearms and and let you shoot them than you will anywhere else. And it really doesn't matter who you are or what you look like or where you're from. They just care about the firearms. It's 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 like the cult the firearms culture. I think it is that you know, you want to share and you, and I think most of the people in the firearms community understand that if we don't expand the community, we are doomed. Right. Right. Well, we've seen a lot of, um, in the, look, I, I, um, I was exposed to firearms in my twenties and I, I said, I lived in New Jersey and I, I came home from being exposed to firearms and I went out and I, I, I got my paperwork and I looked at these paperwork, this paperwork, and it said, oh, reason for application. And I went, oh, uh, I don't know what to put there. And I put that paperwork down. And about five years later, I picked that paperwork up again, and I looked at it again. Now, this isn't the right time. Put it back down. It took me till I was well into my 40s to decide that I didn't care what the government thought anymore. And I was going to fill out this, excuse my language, damn paperwork and and get permission to exercise my right. Um, how many people are cowed by the forms and the process and all it takes to go through it? And how many others would be in in the um, in the community of the firearms owner if uh, if some of these barriers were broken down? So I think in New Jersey, not only is it is it um, uh, is, is it a, a, a detriment? I think they look at it purposely that that's put up there so that people won't apply, that people are afraid, that the government will come after them. And of course, they make it so complicated and they hide the information of how to do something, how to get a concealed carry permit. Mm -hmm. what, and they, and they want to make and they want to make it so difficult that the majority of the people won't do it. Like in New Jersey. It's possible to get a concealed carry permit, but it's very, very hard. You basically need to get lawyers involved. So when you say it's possible, let's talk for a moment about uh, a gentleman by the name of Mueller. Uh, Mueller was kidnapped. Oh, not just once. He was kidnapped twice. Mistaken identity both times. And Mueller had had enough. And Mueller felt he had justifiable need. Heck, he was kidnapped twice. So he put in for his, his uh, concealed carry permit. You know what they did? Yeah, they rejected yeah. him. Yeah. He kicked it up again. They rejected it again. Finally on appeal. Finally, after it would have been uh, a news story and would have broken, that's when they, they issued his, his permit. And quite frankly, that's the MO of New Jersey when it comes to concealed carry. They're going to say no and no and no until it would look bad for them when it's going to look bad for them when there's a real case that should clearly get a concealed carry permit even by their standards would just would uh, qualify who has since been rejected then and only then do they approve it yeah there was a a woman i think in new jersey that tried to 
they tried to get a gun before because she had a stalker. And uh, you, you know what I'm talking about? I do. Yes. Um, Carol Bound had applied for her her uh, firearms ID card and pistol permits. She was not even yet in the in the position to apply for a concealed carry permit. She was just trying to purchase a firearm. Okay. And she was at day 45 in what was supposed to be a 30 day process when her ex shows up and killed her. And that blood is clearly on the hands of those who, who stalled that paperwork. And, and you can't tell me that's not on purpose. You know, there, there are, um, there are, several police departments who have uh they, they have a reputation when women come in they say to them oh what do you need a gun for uh where does it say that on the form it doesn't say you know you have to provide me a reason right but that's what they do the guy there felt that oh you don't need a gun to protect yourself you little woman and it's misogynistic and it's in, in in some cases it's racist. Okay, the city of Jersey City is notorious for slow walking everyone's permit, taking six plus months. Now New Jersey has put in new systems in place recently. Uh, they put in a FARS system, which previously the the background checks were done manually and 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 tracked manually. Now everything's tracked electronically, and now they're issuing electronic permits for pistol permits and. Uh, the results are yet to be seen. We, we're starting to hear some reports of things moving very quickly, but we'll see how they can figure out how to slow walk this as well. well of course, they'll slow walk it. Look, look at the California with their ammo mm -hmm. background mm -hmm. checks. Where I, I did a story on that, where I did an OPA request and then I got all the all the information from California and they had 37 false denial. I mean, 37,000 false denials wow. and 170, I think it was 170 or 187 actual denials. And they're like, Oh, no problem. <laughs> We're just wrong. The, the, um, that's another point. So we have all these next checks. I wonder how many of these next checks that are, are, um, rejected. Uh, are one legitimate and then two where the police actually do something about them and and come and arrest somebody for trying to buy a gun illegally you know where does it happen it doesn't happen um the the federal the the feds have indicated that as well that basically nothing gets done with denied nicks checks wait a second somebody just broke the law somebody said they were approved and they're not what are you doing about it? You're not doing anything about it. And that goes back to the other point, really, where we were talking previously about recidivist criminals being charged with all sorts of gun crimes. And the first things that are dropped are the gun crimes. Right. Uh, you know, one of the one of our uh, one of the projects I'd like to do if I had time and money would be to do one of those over requests and figure out. You know how many recidivist criminals were charged and then how many of those charges actually stuck through the process. And then to compare that to um, the the otherwise law-abiding, right, where they, the only charge is a gun charge and there's no other charges, meaning that they weren't knocking over a, a liquor store or there was no other criminal activity. They weren't selling drugs. They weren't, you know, harassing people. To look at that and to, to use those numbers then to, uh, oh, maybe I'm tipping my hat here, to use those numbers to, to uh, highlight the um, fallacy of universal background checks and um, gun control in general. Yeah, I mean, that would be very easy to get into an open request in New Jersey. I found out in New Jersey with the state police, what I had to do is they kept on ignoring my request mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. with, the, with the magazine thing. So what I started doing was I would wake up in the morning, print out the copy of my request, Sign it again, mail it out. Next morning, over and over and over again. And after about three months um, of every day, Saturday and Sunday, because even though the mail didn't come on Sundays, I still dropped off a letter 
So after about three months of them receiving seven later letters a week, they finally gave me the information. And uh, so it's not a lot of work. It's just, you know, hey, I got to print it out, mail it. Yeah, print it out, mail it. Cost a lot of stamps. But at that point, I was to the point where I was like, you know what? These guys piss me off. I'm going to get the information or they're going to receive letters for the next like five years every day. So in so, subsequent requests, have you had to do that or do they now know who you are? <laughs> yeah, now, now it's just like here. We don't we don't even want to deal with you anymore. Right. So you you wore them down, essentially. You eroded the the system to the point that they don't want to hear from you anymore. So they're just going to give you your request because they know you're not going to go away. Yeah, basically. That's, a, that's, that's an interesting problem. approach. More people are going to have to do that. Uh, also, now we do it through Amaland, and they know Amaland will sue them if we don't get a, re a request. So I think that also helps out, too. Well, certainly the the ability um, to throw some um, uh, litigation behind your request certainly uh, moves things along very well. Yeah, because they will use any excuse possible. Not not in just New Jersey, but all over. Yeah, uh, and my understanding is that the Oprah request has to be um, worded just so. And it has to be data that's available, not something that they have to calculate or figure out. Um, so you can't, for instance, ask them, uh, you know, what percent of this or what percent of that necessarily. You may have to ask them how many of this happened and then how many of that happened. Then you have to do the math on the percentages yourself because, well, they don't have that data. Yeah, you, you have to say, please give me all, you know, crime for handguns right. from this date to this date. Uh, and then you have to uh, figure it out basically. Right. And uh, additionally that the, um, the other, the other part that ties in with that, which, which we don't account for is um, the, how should we call it? Recoding of crime. Right. Um, if, if there's a, a, um, home invasion, they don't call it a home invasion. They call it an aggressive burglary, right? Because that's a different statute and it doesn't look as bad for quote, the town, right? The town doesn't have any home invasion. So they have several aggressive burglaries, but there were no home invasions. So there's some, there's some skewing of the statistics. Um, one one uh, really easy way to draw a parallel to that is uh, I, I want everybody to consider this. Um, if, if you were pulled over for speeding and you got instead a seatbelt ticket, what does that do to the statistics on the um, on what percent of people wear their seatbelts? Now, uh, do I look like the, the fool that's going to say, oh, no, give me a speeding ticket. I don't want to mess with the statistics. Oh, no, you're going to give me that seatbelt ticket. Thank you very much. But in the meantime, we've skewed the statistics. Right. And so, uh, you know. Back in the 80s, it wasn't about the seatbelt ticket. At that point, it was, you know, oh, I would get a headlight out ticket. I guess I sped a lot, huh? <laughs> so <laughs> I, I wonder, have the statistics shifted that all of a sudden there's no more headlight tickets, and now there's this big block of seatbelt tickets, and that's how we, we determine how many people are wearing their seatbelt, right? So th these are the this is how statistics are skewed. Uh, without necessarily the, and even an intent to skew them. So something to consider something. there. 80% of all statistics are false. <laughs> but that's a joke if people out there didn't get it. You know, you give a yeah, and I yeah, saw it on the internet. Abraham Lincoln said it. <laughs> yeah, you can make statistics say almost anything you want. Absolutely. And, and you're right, they are used. A lot of times they will drop firearms charges or guilty plea in a uh, gun charge uh, or a drug charge. Yeah. Well, in New Jersey, they have a Graves Act. So any any firearms um, offense is, I believe, a mandatory minimum of seven years. 
a mandatory minimum sentence. It doesn't mean you'll actually serve that because of parole and all that, but a mandatory minimum seven years. So you have this other drug charge and the mandatory minimum on that may be two years. Well, who who's going to plea what away? You know, they, they know that the big hammer is the gun charge. So the, the prosecutor comes and, and, and the defense attorney come and they do their little spiel. And let's not, let's not kid anybody. Those two are going out to lunch after they're done dealing with the clients. Okay. They're friends. They're, you know, they're two lawyers in a room. They're playing a role while they're there. And they're working this deal and that deal. And in the meantime, you know, you or I get hooked up instead. So, And the majority of court cases usually end up in a plea bargain. Yeah. Well, running a trial takes a lot of time and energy and money. And no one wants to have their, their record look bad. Well, we don't. Well, we, we don't. No, but what I'm saying, the law, I mean, the lawyer, like the prosecutor, say, hey, I got a conviction in 100% of my cases. And uh, then the defend, uh, then the defense lawyer can say, hey, I got my clients off in every case I've ever had. <laughs> but what they don't let you know is they got them off of like one charge, but they actually got them to plead guilty to another charge in the right. process and get the original charge, but they got a lesser charge. Right, exactly. But the, somebody got a conviction and somebody got a plea bargain out of the deal and somebody uh, well, oh, doing much less time than I otherwise would have done, right? And that's the deal. On, on what, you know, the unfortunate part of that is that it plays out, unfortunately, in violent crime. People that really should be potentially locked away end up being able to get out much easier and that's not good for us. So you were talking about Tony Simon, you know, I, I, I picked a picture of Tony Simon pointing at a bolt action rifle and I just want to meme the crap out of that thing. It's like the bullets going this way, <laughs> point the gun down range. <laughs> well, and I know he'll be all over it too. So. <laughs> Well, what's really funny, every time I uh, I use his Welcome to Planet Lovetron, I can't <laughs> use that as a thumbnail anymore because all my every time I, he comes on and I use, I use that a lot, that all my videos with him got all age-restricted. And it was, it was a Planet Lovetron picture. <laughs> You're going to get Facebook banned. <laughs> all right. You don't know about me and Facebook? <laughs> apparently i don't <laughs> do you do you have a hate hate relationship <laughs> i used to work there for one but i don't work there anymore uh no uh i got my account got permanently deleted for going after kambala harris and uh this all the fbc violation things that they've been like that mm -hmm. people are filing against uh i was the first one to file an fbc of complaint against them with my super attorney the olsons uh, the father and son team of Bill Olson and Rob Olson filed uh, the complaint. Uh, GOA funded my complaint, and now everyone is using that complaint as a template to file against Facebook and Twitter. And part of, that's part of the reason why they're getting called up in front of the Senate. So I got a history of Facebook. That's uh, I'm, that's a good history to have, man. In that case, you know we need to. Yeah. Uh, we need a couple of more people to, to spearhead efforts in that nature and uh, highlight the um, the clearly partisan efforts of of uh, some of these organizations. Yeah, I've been doing uh, I did, like a couple weeks ago. I was doing TV interview and radio interviews and look like, at every day, like multiples a day. It got really tiring. About I'm sure. It. But yeah, I thought you were joking when you said the Facebook thing. I wasn't aware. Sorry. Yeah, I had to make a new Facebook account. Um, I don't think they're going to touch that one because uh, the um, the the eyes on them. But yeah, uh, Zuckerberg knows who I am now. Wow. <laughs>
Well, what do you mean? He's my friend too. <laughs> yeah, the sad part is I used to work for Facebook. What did you do for them? Uh, engineering. Okay. Did a lot of engineering for them. So you wrote some of those algorithms. <laughs> I, I, I fought for gun rights so hard at Facebook. Uh, I, I, eventually, I just couldn't, I couldn't uh, turn off my moral compass enough to work for them anymore. Uh, and all, all the gun guys basically left. Um, you know, it's not just Facebook. Um, I, I, I work for a company. I will not name names because obviously I have to work there. Um, they, they posted a thing about how they would do matching funds. Um, and I really contemplated trying to take them up on it. I mean, CNJFO is a 501c3. We are federally uh, recognized for that. Um, certainly, it's a legitimate organization. There's no reason they should reject it. And the issue, though, is do I really want to come out to a, um, uh, a company based in this industry that I'm in that, um, you know, doesn't like the current administration, doesn't like where things are going, um, and uh, would then, what, they would feed money to my organization where I'm, I stand opposed to what they're for kind of thing? Uh, I don't think that would happen. So I just kind of said, yeah, you know what, maybe it's better to just uh, let it be. I like rattling pages. Uh, Facebook, one time on the internal page, because they have an internal Facebook that basically employs only, they had uh -huh. this discussion on hate speech and how to deal with hate speech. So I, resp I responded with my suggestion, which was hate speech does not, does not exist. And you would think that I put, I kill babies or something like that. <laughs> the, uh -huh. the amount of vitriol that was thrown against me for just writing hate speech does not exist. And I did it just to rattle cages. Uh, I, do, I do my share rattling cages. I certainly speak my mind uh, in other situations, but um, I still want to get my paycheck at the end of the week, you know? Still have to live. Um, it's, you know, it's it's been a solid employer for a bunch of years, so we're just going to keep going with it until uh, such time as uh, as things change. You know, we shall see. Yeah, well, I mean, at this point, I was kind of done. I I, I, yeah. I, I, I knew uh, it just wasn't the place for me to be anymore. So I, was like, I just want to do my journalism. Um, might not pay as well, but it's a uh, it's better. <laughs> hey. Uh, look, there may be competitor organizations hiring. You know, there's there's uh, there's Parler and there's or Parlay rather, and um, and there's that uh, not me, we the other uh, Facebook competitor. There's Minds. There's me, we. There's there's a, there's a bunch. No, I just I, mean, I was just done with the whole Silicon Valley industry. Um, more than just, I mean, it was political reasons why I left Facebook, but then after that, I was like, I didn't want to go back into doing, working yeah. with, with Silicon Valley companies anymore. Well, Silicon Valley, West Coast companies, they, they, um, they have their own internal, um, compass and their own agenda. Right. And, uh, that's. That's unfortunate, but it, it's it is true. Like these corporations, um, they exist for a reason, and they're going they're going to have some kind of uh, they're going to be polarized one way or another, and they're going to be polarized politically because um, uh, let, let's face it. Uh, for instance, let, let's say you have a company uh, corporation that owns a coal mine. Are they going to be aligned with with uh, the guy who wants to eliminate coal mines? No, they're going to be aligned with the guy who who doesn't want to eliminate coal mines, right? Uh, you have the other, you know. Then then you look at oh, uh, there's this car manufacturer that's that makes electric vehicles, and there's this other car manufacturer over here that makes gas vehicles. Well, one might be aligned with one guy, and one might be aligned with another, just because they they feel that that's the, those people are more in line with with their corporate interests, right? So uh, so we have this this polarization. 
of everything. And unfortunately, that's some of the negativity of what's going on. And um, it's that's why when we get behind the firing line uh, at the range, it doesn't matter who anybody is. All that stuff passes away. I don't care about your politics. I don't care about this. And I don't care about that. That's a neat gun. Go ahead and shoot it. Right. And, and let's, and, and let's back to the, the things that the bring things us together. Unless it's Antifa, F those guys. <laughs> I haven't seen Antifa at the range. Either oh, wait, 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 wait. That was the airsoft range. Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just had to throw that in there. Um, but yeah, yeah you're right. You're right. Uh, people who go, people who go to the range for the first time are usually shocked by the amount of diversity at the range and how it's totally different than what they think it's going mm -hmm. to be. And no one's really caring about anything. It was just about the love of firearms or getting better at firearms or yeah. whatnot. You know, um, I'm sure you know Anthony Calandro. He had uh, Loretta Weinberg on his radio show. Uh, Loretta Weinberg is... Um, if not the most anti-gun senator in New Jersey, one of the most anti-gun senators in New Jersey, and she went to his range. And and they had a very nice, um, a reasonable discussion, you know, on the show. And she was seriously surprised at the diversity and the melting pot that was in his range. They were just, she was just completely shocked that there were that many people, that many colors, that many nationalities there at that time. You know, it, it's a true melting pot. It, it, it attracts people of all kinds. So, Anthony Clandro, uh, he hosts Guns for Hire, which is a good show. Um, yeah, Dan Grove, former president of the Brady organization, had this notion of what it was going to be like to go to a gun range until he actually went to a gun range. And part of that, is what led him to his discovery that, hey, maybe I'm not anti-gun. And I definitely don't want to be a part of Brady. And now he's actually speaking at, like, Second Amendment rallies. And he's actually, he's not Second Amendment supporter like, like I am or you are, but mm -hmm. he's come a long way. And over the past couple of years of him coming around, he keeps on coming further and further to the pro-Second Amendment side. You know, when you take somebody like that, that was that was um, so far um, to to that side, to that point in his life, um, you can't expect them to to uh, flip over immediately and and be a um, a gun lover, right? Uh, a gun nut, shall I say? Uh, but anybody that we move toward the center. Anybody that we move from the position of I hate guns to, well, guns are okay, is a win in my book. You know, anybody that we take from guns are okay to guns are awesome is, is a huge win. And we're way ahead at that point. Yeah. Yeah, we are definitely way ahead at that point. Just trying to figure out what's going on with my count. I have like three different counters and they're all saying different. Uh, I, I don't know. Software. I hate software. <laughs> I know. I hate tech. And it's, it's kind of crazy for me to say I hate tech. But yep. I kind of do sometimes. All right. Well, we've been on for about an hour. I want to thank you for coming on. I just want to tell everyone out there, you can go to crumpy.com for all my links and everything else. And I want to give you the final word, Dan. Uh, go yep. ahead. Plug. Uh, CNJFO. Um, CNJFO has a, a, um, a clay shoot coming up on November 15th at Lehigh Valley Sporting Clays. Go onto our website if you're in the area. Come join us um, and uh, hit our website, become a member, send us some money so that we can continue to good, do good things and fight the good fight here in New Jersey. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Dan. Thank you. We'll be back, I think, Wednesday. I don't think we have a show tomorrow. I think I have other 
stuff I have to get done tomorrow. So I'm canceling tomorrow's show. Maybe. Or maybe it's when... I don't know. I'm either canceling tomorrow's show or when... One of the two I usually do a show on, but I'm not doing it on. But I'm going to have to look at my schedule. I know. I know. That, that kind of sucks for you guys. So I can't <laughs> telling you guys out there. But it is what it is. I just can't remember. And I don't want to tell you the wrong information. So if, if you see me tomorrow... I'll see you tomorrow. If not, I'll see you on Wednesday. All right. See you guys.